0: Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm recording this in advance because this week, as this episode is airing, I'm actually in Bangkok at a conference for location-independent entrepreneurs, and I'm really excited about the experience and all the inspiring people I'm going to meet. So if you'd like to see a little glimpse into the conference and what's going on in Bangkok and probably some really cool, I hope, natural health discoveries as I troll around the markets and eat lots of good food in between going to the conference, of course, then I'll be sharing that on my Instagram feed, which is at Wellpreneur. So definitely come over and check out Instagram and you can see what I'm up to this week. Well, this week I have a really inspiring interview for you with Megan Telpner, who's an author, speaker, and nutritionist. And you may know her from her really popular blog. I loved this conversation with Megan. She shared with me that she used to have a reminder on her desk that said, Relax, your life is much bigger than this moment. And I just loved that. When she said that, I was like, Yes, it's so true, right? We get so hung up in the details about, oh my gosh, this thing isn't right on my website, or like my program's not as professional as I want, or I'm not, you know, I'm not living as big as I should, all this stuff we worry about. And actually, all of these are just little moments in our life. Our life is so much bigger than this one moment. So it really, I just thought that really was a a great reminder to put things in perspective and realize that you are more than your business. You're more than your website. There's so much more going on in your life. So in this week's interview, we're talking about how Megan started her popular blog how she stays healthy while growing her business. And she shares with us her morning routine. I'm really into morning routines these days. So I think you'll really like that. And also what she'd do differently if she was starting over again today in today's climate. Because it's really different. You know, I started Vintage Amanda She's almost seven years ago, maybe about seven years ago. And there were a lot fewer blogs then. So it was easier to get more readers. And so Megan and I talk about that and what she would do if she was starting over today. I think you'll really enjoy this interview. And don't forget to pop over and follow me on Instagram at Wellpreneur. Let me know that you're there and you found me through the podcast, and I'll be sharing some of what's happening in Bangkok. Okay, here we go. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad we could finally connect because we're speaking from like opposite ends of the earth right now.
1: (laughs) It's amazing what's
0: possible. (laughs) But can we just start off? I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know who you are already, but could you just give a little brief overview of who you are and what you do? Sure. So I am an author and nutritionist
1: and a speaker. And most of all, what I do is teach. So I have a couple books, um, Undiet and the Undyed Cookbook, and I run the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. And that's pretty much what takes up most of my time. And my main sort of descriptor for what I do is that I'm a, a healthy lifestyle educator. And that sort of overrides all the things that I do is how can I share this information in a way that people can pick it up and apply it in their life.
0: Mm-hmm. So is your business 100% online or do you do some things in person as well?
1: My business, I'd say at this point is 95% online. I, My school and all of that is completely online, obviously with books, they're in stores and that usually involves me having to go to stores and uh, I do events around that kind of stuff, promotional events, and I'll do a few educational events and speaking. But the majority of my business that I do on a day-to-day basis is 100% online now. It didn't used to be.
0: Awesome. Well, take us back and tell us kind of, I always find that the entrepreneur journey so interesting. Like, how did you s- decide to start your business and then how has it evolved?
1: Yeah, so I've always had a business of some sort, whether, you know, I was 11 years old selling scrunchies that I'd sewn myself nice. mm-hmm. or in university, I started a women's travel magazine called Chicks Abroad. And that sort of parlayed into travels that resulted in an illness that got me to nutrition school. And that was really what propelled me into the business I have now, which was that I love nutrition school. It was great. I learned a ton, but still didn't know how to cook. And I really wanted to build a community around the idea of good food and good conversation and community. And that's what sort of ignited the idea for the cooking school that I had here in Toronto in our loft. And then we sort of grew beyond the boundaries of what this 600 square foot bricks and mortar space could accommodate. We had more people wanting to join than we could fit. And then that I had the energy to teach every single night. And so we started transitioning to the online model that we have now. And for a long time, and even still, I'll do the occasional in-person class here in the kitchen just because I love it. And it's so fun. And I love getting to meet people face to face. But the majority of our teaching is now video-based online and really predominantly focused around the 14-week certification program that I offer. And I still write my blog and I still develop little lifestyle programs that people can take independently or ones that I'll coach. And I do the Facebook Live. And so, so much of it is really about not just having this online business, but how we can use the online platform to cultivate community whether it's our own community in the city that we live in and how we can be the leader in that community in helping other people live a better life or cultivating this online world where like-minded people can connect and share information and inspire each other. And that's the core of of how my business has evolved.
0: When you started to do that transition from in-person to online, did you have an idea of what it was going to look like? Like, did you envision basically what you've created now? Or were you starting something else and it's kind of evolved into this?
1: I had no idea what I was doing. And I think I think to my benefit, if I'd known where this was gonna go, I'd been like, man, that's way too much work. I am not getting started on that path. I think there's a bit of a misconception that having an online business is easy and it, you know, makes it so easy to scale and the passive revenue. And I think it's a huge misconception because Once you take things online, there is a thousand and ten details you haven't thought of that need to be taken into account. So when I started taking it online, my idea was that it would simply provide access to the information for people who couldn't get to my kitchen here in Toronto. And what ended up happening was that we had people asking, you know, can I take everything? Do you have a package I could sign up for? And that was really what planted the seed for a full unified program. And then when we ran the program the first time, our students were asking, you know, what are we actually graduating from? And that's what when we decided to launch a school, which was, you know, just over two years ago. So it's always been in part what I want to do and what I'm passionate about, what I'm excited about. And I've always been into technology and business alongside nutrition and culinary nutrition. But it's also been completely in stride with what my community has been asking for. So that whatever we've created and launched, there's already a built-in audience for it and people who want it. And so there's always a little bit of that sort of foundation of of, of a built-in, not just sales, but a built-in cheerleading squad or ambassadorship of people who, who are really excited about what I'm doing and what we're creating as a team here. And so, did I have any idea we were going to have this global school with students in over 40 countries? Not a chance. That was so far from what I thought was possible. But one step at a time and self funding it and growing it as we had the infrastructure, both technically online and with my team to do it, has allowed it to evolve to a level that I never thought possible. And I think that, you know, often the next question is, well, where do you think it's going to go? And I have no idea because I think that what we imagine or where we imagine ourselves to be five years from now is like self-limiting. It's so much smaller than what we're actually capable of when we're going through the processes of, of producing and creating and putting it out there every single day.
0: Absolutely. I think I read this in a book is that we really under, we overestimate how much we can get done in a day. So we're always saying, oh, I can do all these things and we can't do that much in a day, but we grossly underestimate the amount we can achieve in a lifetime and over yes. years. And you're totally right. Like, you know, if we were to look out five years, you might have some, oh, you know, maybe you you have some version that's just like a little vision that's just a few steps ahead of where you are. But actually in that much time, you can grow by leaps and bounds. So I love that, that you're just open to letting it evolve.
1: Yeah. I think I, I mean, I sit down every morning and you're catching me earlier than I normally in because of the time change, but Typically, I sit down in the morning and I feel just the slightest amount of overwhelm at what I'm aiming to accomplish that day. And typically, the day I'm like, wow, that was great. I got—I didn't get everything done because I will never get everything done that I'd like to do in a day. But I got I moved forward. And as long as I keep moving in that direction, then I feel accomplished and I feel fulfilled. And that, I think, is what continues to propel us forward. I think a big challenge that entrepreneurs have in any field is that they set an expectation that's so high for themselves in such a short, aggressive span of time that it's impossible. It's impossible for anyone to achieve that. And so often they get discouraged and quit too soon. And I think that as long as you do what you can do in, in a day, and I learned this lesson ironically on a farm because I was like, how do you end your day on the farm? There is always work to do. He's like, and tomorrow there'll be more work to do and it will continue." You just do what you can do until your day is done and you you balance that out with how you want to live your life.
0: Yeah, that's great. I want to go back to something you said which is that people think that running an online business is like, oh, it's so easy. Like you just wake up and look there's like all this money in your account. <laughs> and, and it <laughs> is true cute. you do wake up. You do wake up and there are sales and that's awesome, but like people overlook then, I think, which is what you alluded to, which is like those products and things don't just create themselves and the audience and the sales funnels and the like all the tools and tech and all of that stuff. So you mentioned it a little bit, but can you kind of elaborate a bit about what all goes into your business, like how it was more work than you were expecting up front?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that one of the reasons people go online is because they want to scale their business where you're earning money while you're sleeping and it doesn't take any amount of your time. But as you scale your business, as you grow your audience, you're now dealing with hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands of people from around the world. And one person can't handle that much effective customer support or that much effective tech support. And I also get the question a lot from people, you know, do you have a web developer who does online strategy? And it's like, I've never heard of anyone hiring someone who does all that for them. I think part of it is understanding that you're going to have to figure a lot of it out on your own, at least when you're getting started. So for us scaling it, the first thing that I needed in place was someone to help me here in the kitchen. Before I could even afford to have someone, I needed someone to help me so that when we did scale, we were ready to manage the increased number of people. And then it was finding a developer that could relay the the strategy and the structure and how I wanted things to flow and have that in place and working and then actually look at, you know, what is the functionality that I need and do plugins exist to support that? Do we have to build our own applications to support that? And so it becomes rather layered in that regard. And then we're looking at the emails and, you know, what's the flow of that email and who's going to get what and are they going to like it and are they going to unsubscribe? And, and so it becomes very multi-layered. And then what a lot of people don't even think about because they're so focused on building this audience up is what am I actually delivering to them? So my very first online program was a three-day green smoothie cleanse. And I offered it, it was in 2009, and I offered it for free for anyone who was willing to blog about it. And I had a little link at the bottom saying, if you'd like to participate privately, it's $10. And this was in 2009, so it was well before everyone and their grandmother was offering a green smoothie cleanse online. So I was a little bit lucky in the timing of it. But what ended up happening was that like in two days, I'd sold 100 of these three-day green smoothie cleanses, and I hadn't written a thing yet. So I quickly had to go and figure out how was I actually going to serve this because I figured everyone would just do it for free and it wouldn't have to be that fancy. And so I think that a lot of what gets missed too is how you're actually going to execute on your online business planning or your online business project is how are people going to actually access what you're selling? Are you going to have to do it manually? Can you do it in an automated way? Will they be able to find their way through the automated process? Will they know how to log in and find it? So it's it's we've come to learn whenever we send an email whenever we're inviting someone into something they've purchased that there is no detail that is not worth mentioning and as detailed as you can be in your planning will dramatically like I can't even express how important this that the planning process is in helping you and making it easier once you start selling. And so I think people too quickly want to start like bringing in the money and understandably because they probably need it. You do need money when you're starting out. But if you want to have those customers come back and buy again, you need their process and their experience to be as smooth sailing as possible. And that's not to say that you should plan, 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 and never actually put it out there. At some point, you just be like, okay, this is as as good as it's going to get today. And I'm going to put it out there, but also recognizing that balance of not rushing it too much either.
0: So back in 2009, when you did your first, you know, your first $10 product, your, your green smoothie challenge, had you been blogging for a long time before that? Had you built a list? Like, how did you get to the point that you were ready to sell your first online program? Right. So
1: I, I'd, it's sort of two sort of questions. i had been blogging. I started a blog in 2002 on LiveJournal as part of an English course I took in university. And so I've, I've always had some engagement with online from, I guess, rather early without even really acknowledging that through the course of my career. So I'd always had an interest in online and, and how you could reach people and how you could inspire people and it, that you would never otherwise have had access to or, or the opportunity to meet. So when I started my business in 2008, so it was just exactly a year before this cleanse, I did what you should never do, which is add everyone in your personal contact list, to your <laughs> mailing list for your business. But I did it anyway. The the spam acts weren't weren't as strict then, so don't do that. But I started emailing that way. So my list started at like 300 people maybe. And they weren't obviously people who were going to actively buy anything because they were people I'd worked with or weren't relevant to what my new business was. But I had started my blog in 2008 and became part of the blogging community. And again, it was a little bit different then because so many people had blogs. They were very personal and people were commenting on each other's blogs and connecting that way. And there were blogger meetups and, and so there was a community built that way. And so when I started running my green smoothie cleanse, I actively was spending hours every day commenting on people's blogs and not just like, hi, I'm doing a green smoothie cleanse, check me out, but like relevant comments and that were valuable to a community having a conversation. And so that drew people over to my site and over to information about the, what I was offering. And that was a big part of how I built my audience very quickly. And I did that for like three weeks, spending two to three hours a day commenting on blogs and i actually believe that today in 2016 that's still an incredibly effective way perhaps more so than in 2008 2009 because no one comments on blogs anymore putting a comment on facebook the owner of that page will maybe like it and maybe post a comment but when someone comments on my blog without fail i'd say 90% of the time i'm able to respond and offer guidance and offer advice because they're they're in they're like they're in my living room i wouldn't ignore someone asking me a question in my own living room so I still think that's a really valuable way to build a community. And the other thing I did was, you know, now pop-ups and those kinds of things to build your list are really popular and that will build your list. And I do it too, but I'm still not convinced it builds a quality list. I think it builds a list of people who want free stuff. And if you can be consistent with your blog and with what you're putting out in the world and offer value, you know, it's like with, with your podcast, you're not just promoting everyone's businesses of who comes on it but you want them to add value. And that's what will bring people back over and over again. If everything you post and every email you send out is a promotion for something you're selling, people are going to get tired of it. So ensuring that you know every email newsletter you send out has something new in it, something you've written or an analysis of someone else's article or whatever is relevant to your business, but that there's some reason for them to stay on that list beyond just constantly being bombarded with promotions is really important for that consistency. And so I've consistently, I've grown my list slowly and steadily over time, but have also consistently had similar open rates that are a bit above average for the industry. And I think that it's all part of it. That consistency, that discipline to continue on is a big part of building that list so that when I sold the green smoothie cleanse, I'd been blogging for just a year, but I've been blogging at that point, seven, five to seven days a week, which was mimi crazy town. But it made sense in 2008, 2009 to do that and just kept it going so that when I did, after a year, put something for sale online, they're like, oh, amazing. This is what we've been waiting for. And it was not super expensive. It was not high commitment. Um, it had a, as much of a community aspect as you could do with the technology in, in, that, in 2009. And, and it worked. And a lot of the people who joined that first green smoothie cleanse are still part of the community.
0: That's awesome. That's great. I mean, it has changed so much since then to now in terms of like, for example, having a blog back then there was like a big blogging community. And now like I hardly read any blogs, which is crazy because I used to have this big blog reader and I read like yeah 20 or 30 or 40 blogs a week, like religiously. And now I just yes. don't. And so it's really changed. So I'm curious, having gone through this evolution, if you had to start over from scratch today, like in a new yes. market, what would you do? Well,
1: I'm not sure I would do anything differently only because I'm grateful for where I've landed. But I think there were a couple sort of things that I did that I think wasted a lot of my time that Blogging seven days a week helped build up an audience, but I'm now sort of doing an audit of my website. And, you know, most of those blogs are terrible. So there was that, and I wouldn't recommend that today. I think the biggest challenge today in getting started is that there is just so much out there and so much that looks exactly the same as everything else. And I think what's happening now, you know, I'm lucky that when I started that there weren't super successful online Wellpreneurs, wellness, business entrepreneurs that were doing anything. So I had no model. I had no one that I felt like I needed to copy or emulate. And now, you know, everyone's sort of doing the same online business courses, going to the same online business coaches, looking at the same successful, you know, wellness businesses online. And so everything's starting to look exactly the same. Everyone has their signature online programs. And and I think that the biggest mistake people make is thinking that because someone else had success with a certain model, that it's going to work for them. And it doesn't. And what will help you today break through that noise is Honing in on what makes you uniquely awesome, your unique interests, your unique views on something, being brave enough to voice an opinion that may not be the popular one, but it's yours, and putting out really good quality work, not making sure you get you know your two posts a week and there are five hundred words and there's a recipe and there's you know an SLR photograph recipe photo and the SEO tags and all of that none of that matters. The best SEO, the best Driver of traffic to your website and to your work is the quality of what you put out in the world. And if you do one blog post a week, but you spend eight hours writing it and it's excellent and referenced and and it's you know has juice to it and it has value rather than you know ten ways to use chia seeds. Those chia seed posts, like those top ten, they will get shared, but no one clicks on them. And so when you actually provide deep content that is relevant to your audience, that is what will build an audience for you. And that is what you need to do today in 2016. So, you know, spamming your, your readers feeds with like seven new posts a week, isn't going to do it. That's going to get you unsubscribed
0: and unfollows because you can't possibly put out quality content no, that and quickly. plus, And plus, I feel like there's this, I mean, we all feel it now. Like there's this overwhelm of information, right? And we can't yes. take it all in. Like there's too much email, too much social media. And I think people are really trying to cut back. And so if you are the person that can really synthesize what's going on out there and give people the quality stuff, they're going to stick with you. Yes.
1: And I, you know, I've had, it's really interesting because I try and vary my blog content on megantelpner.com. the blog on the Academy of Culinary Nutrition is a bit of a different story but on my own blog, I try and really vary the content. So I'll do a recipe post. I'll do like a 10 ways to use mint kind of post, and then I'll do the personal posts. And what's interesting is we had an old blog post that recently went viral on how to make strawberry butter. It's delicious. I recommend you try it out. And we had this like, I don't know, had like 19,000 shares or something on Facebook, but it had zero spike in subscribers. And that to me says a lot because for me personally, it's never been my goal to win the social media popularity contest. You can throw thousands of dollars at Facebook ads and get tons of likes on your page and you can do the same on Instagram now and you can do the same. Well, you can sort of do the same on Twitter, but there's ways to sort of game the social media circle to get that, to win that popularity contest. But my feeling is that with that quality content that may not get shared a thousand times, but that brings a hundred key people to your site who opt in and become, you know, your loyal community members, those 100 people are worth a 1000 times more than 19,000 shares on Facebook, because those are people who really want to engage in you and what you're offering. And so a bit of it is just ignoring the numbers that people can
0: see and focusing really on that quality as opposed to the quantity. Totally. So I want to shift gears a little bit because I think as wellness entrepreneurs, there's this line of like, we need to walk our talk, right. And, and try to be well, in addition to running our businesses and dealing with our lives and everything. So I'd love to know, like, how have you dealt with that? And because I know it can be balance is like never static, right? It's always changing. And so how has that gone for you throughout your business and how do you maintain your, your wellness and your healthy habits now? I've always been 100%
1: honest about how I eat and how I live. And I think that's really important. So if I have a bad day, I'm not going home and having a Diet Coke. Like it's, it's not part of my world in any way. And so I feel like because I have nothing to hide, it makes it easy to continue living my life. And yes, I get like a cold once a year and that's when I'll make a turmeric elixir and then I'll blog about like, it's cold and flu season, drink this before you get sick. So I think that what's really, really important is there's a lot of imagery online about – this is not the really important part – but there's a lot of imagery online about, you know, these ethereal yoga images and the green smoothies and the perfect life and – And I think we know that's all nonsense. I'd like to think so, that some days are really going to be hard. And it doesn't mean you need to put all of that out in the world. I don't think you should if you're a professional in a field that you need to, you don't, you know, some things are not necessarily for public consumption, but I do think it's important to give an honest portrayal of what your wellness habits are as a health and wellness leader in your field. And so for me, it's really just being honest and, and truthful and real and living up to the standard that I've set for myself. And I would never expect anyone to do anything that I couldn't maintain. And I don't expect anyone to live the way I live either. And I think that that's what's, it's really important to be honest with yourself. And also when you're in a health and wellness business, it's not just your business. It's not like, you know, you eat McDonald's all day and but you show up to work and like, I'll have my kale smoothie, when I, my kale salad when I'm at work because that's where I'm working in the health and wellness field. It does infiltrate your life and your life will infiltrate your work. And that can be challenging with your own business in terms of finding those barriers. But if you're living what you teach and you have that standard set for yourself that set point if you recognize you know that mass produced chocolate is harvested by children under slave labor conditions that Snickers bar and I'm not saying Snickers is harvested by slave children but a lot of the commercial branded chocolates are and so once you have an understanding of why we're going to choose fair trade chocolate the other kind is no longer an option if we understand fully what corn syrup does to the liver Diet Coke, or well, I guess that's aspartame. If we understand what aspartame does to the brain and how it degenerates it, things with aspartame are no longer an option. So I think when you go into your work with real integrity and authenticity and understanding why you're making these choices you're making, you know, if you know that conventional farmers have higher risks of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, do you want to eat the foods that are contributing to the diseases of the people who are growing it? And so that's the foundation for why I make the choices I make every day. And that's why I'm able to adhere to a set point that I've set, that I won't eat irradiated spices. I don't want to eat, you know, factory farmed foods or factory grown foods. And so what you see really is what you get. If someone came into my home, they could look through my cupboards any day of the week. They could look through my fridge any day of the week. Like, yeah, you'll probably find a bottle of organic tequila. It's delicious. It's delicious. But I'm not like doing shots on a Saturday night standing on a bar. It's not my lifestyle.
0: What's your work day look like?
1: (laughs) It is varied. So I typically get into work around 930. And it's just because my morning routine (laughs) takes me forever. What's your morning
0: routine? I love morning (laughs) routines.
1: I could spend my entire day doing my morning
0: routine. Tell us, tell I, meditate for, yeah.
1: I meditate for 20 minutes every morning. My exercise for at least a half hour, whether it's just a walk or yoga or stretching or some kind of movement in the morning. When we are, we're currently not in our house because we're renovating, but in the cooler months, we, uh, I'll take a 20 minute sauna. We have an infrared sauna in our home and we had it also in our tiny apartment. So it's all doable. And I make a breakfast. Usually it's an elixir of some kind. So a hot drink with some herbal tea base and some superfoods and some herbs and a lot of fat. And then I skin brush, I shower, I walk to work. And so that's typically how my morning starts. And then when I move into the work day, um, we use, I have uh, two amazing women that work with me here in the kitchen and we use a project management task. So usually the first thing I do is check what I need to do that day and make sure I do the things that they're relying on so they can do their work. And I kind of like to get all of my essential work and the hard work done in the morning and leave room in the afternoon for some creative projects. And at the end of the day, I deal with email. I try and leave work around 6.30 usually and either go to a Pilates class or a yoga class, or I go for, I'm like a bodywork junkie. So if I'm getting like a massage or acupuncture and then make dinner with my husband and we chill out and that's kind of how our day goes. We don't have kids. And I know that anyone with children's like, oh, that's so cute, Megan. Like, oh, how nice for you. I totally recognize that. We call these the good old days. And because we do have the time right now, we're taking full advantage. Awesome. <laughs>
0: I love it. So if you could go back and give yourself some advice back when you were just getting started with your business and your career, what would you tell yourself? One would be the thing
1: you're worrying about right now really has, doesn't matter. <laughs> it's going to have no short or long-term consequence. So like, let that go. And in, in, in with that, I have a little sticker on my computer screen that says, relax, your life is bigger than this moment and it's really learning to not sweat the small things that it, it's not a big deal it will be fine the world will not end because there's a broken link in a blog post so you don't have to fix it at 11:30 at night it's okay those kinds of things i think are really important to remember when you're starting out when every little thing seems monumental and i think the other the other thing i would tell myself is that you know, it's okay to settle into who you are. And the sooner we can do this as we grow up, and, you know, I think we're always growing up. I'm turning 37 in October. And every year that I get older, I start to feel more and more myself. And the more confident and comfortable we are with who we are, the better we're able to confidently share that in our work. And the more we can share that in our work, the better our work will be, the more unique it will be, and the more success we will have. And so, I think we stress often when we're starting out about, you know, how can I be that successful entrepreneur? How can I be that person? But if you just be like, wait, who am I? And you do the work, the, the you know, the self-practices and, and the self-development work that invites you to recognize who you are, to understand what ignites you, what fulfills you, what you're passionate about and not worry so much about what others will think, you will see success like you've never imagined for yourself.
0: Thank you so much, Megan. This has been really great. Can you tell everybody where they can find you if they'd like to learn more or get in touch? Absolutely. So all of my own personal work is
1: at MeganTelpner.com and it's Megan with an H because I got heart. And then I'm also on Instagram and Twitter and all those places at MeganTelpner. And then for my school, it's at culinarynutrition.com. And our 14-week certification kicks off this September. So we've got a bunch of events coming up so you can learn more about the program. And the blog over at Culinary Nutrition is also excellent, actually shares most of the work of, mostly it's work of our graduates from the program. So that's where I am online. And my books are available sort of on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. They're Undiet and the Undiet Cookbook.
0: Cool. And we'll link all of that up in the show notes so everybody can get to it really easily, (laughs) stress-free. Thank (laughs) you. you Yeah. Thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links and everything we talked about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget that this week I'm in Bangkok and I'm going to be sharing a lot of behind the scenes glimpses into this location independent entrepreneur conference I'm going to, as well as some markets and good food and just what's happening in Bangkok. So come over to follow me. I'm at Wellpreneur on Instagram and let me know you found me through the podcast because I'd love to connect with you over there. Okay, have a fantastic week and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.